Okay, guys, welcome back. Season two, episode three yeah. of the podcast. Um, very lucky to be joined by three-time PGA Tour winner Scott Stone. Scott, That's awesome. thanks for joining us. Thanks, man. Thank you guys for having me. Oh, not at awesome. all. Not at all. Uh, where are you situated right now, Scott? Where are you based? Uh, uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. Nice. Okay. Great. How are things there? Kind of same, same as us up here, lockdown with everything, with the old COVID-19 scenario? Uh, yeah, I mean, golf courses are open, parks are open. I mean, we're still under the, I think, uh, Tennessee and the county that I live in is through the end of April. But, I mean, that's only going to be expanded. That's not going to, you know, I know some states are, you know, till the end of May, but and you know, we're kind of falling mm-hmm. a week or two behind as we progress. But it is what it is. I kind of live out in the woods and, <laughs> you know, <we've> got, <laughs> I have a wife and two kids and, you know, pretty isolated back here in the country. And, you know, it's a, it's a nice, if you're going to have to be stuck somewhere, it's a good place to be stuck. Sounds yeah. like it. Yeah. 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 There's, there's a lot of people I think right now are, are sort of in a way for their own reasons, very thankful to have some time with the family, Definitely. time to be situated at home. I know as a PGA Tour player, the amount you travel, this is, this is probably a welcome break uh, to, to be at home and spend time with your loved ones. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about it. This is my 13th year of professional golf and 10th year on the PGA Tour. And uh, this is the longest time off I've ever had in my professional career since wow. college. Crazy. Wow. So, I mean, right as you were kind of gearing up to, you know, play a, a big part of the season, when we were at the players, I was getting ready to play four in a row and getting ready to play like it was something – like 11 out of 13 weeks or something like that. And I mean, I'd only played 10 events so far through the course of the year and my average is probably 28. So, you know, it's pretty early in my season and, you know, everyone as well. And then to kind of have it kind of just be shut down like that, but that was definitely the right thing to do. I mean, I I feel, you know, safe and, you know, health and wellness yourself and your family should be a priority. And, you know, I don't think I I want to, you know, and too big of a rush to get back with all the uncertainty that's out there and everyone yeah. uh, doing everything we possibly can to be ready to play, you know, when and if that, that day comes. But that seems that day seems to be further and further away by every email yeah. and phone call and, you yes. know, social media requests and stuff. I've done more interviews and podcasts and <laughs> in, the last, in the last few weeks than I've maybe done in my life. So, but I, yeah, I did funny. have a... A uh, cup. There you go. There you go. There you go. And uh, so, I've been doing so all my mindset? with Masters Week. That's my son. And the Masters, <laughs> oh, the part three tournament. That's so, a great photo. I've kind of moved. Awesome. I've kind of moved Special my locations. Memories. Yeah, I've kind of moved my locations the last few weeks all around my house. I've done it in my gym. I've done it wow. where I hit balls. Kind of moved yes. it all around, and being that it's it's technically Masters Week, I decided to do all my ones with. Uh, that's probably our favorite picture that we've ever cool. had taken on yeah. the golf course, and I'm not in see it. Why. So. <laughs> yeah, well, that puts life in perspective, doesn't it? When when you know that's you know there's a lot more to to life than than just than just the game of golf. And uh, so, where's the mindset at right now for uh, for a PGA Tour player with with the uncertainty that's out there? The mindset is just enjoy the time, man. I've got I have zero control of anything in regards to the CDC, the government, the World Health, yeah. the PGA Tour. I mean, I can give my input here and there, but I'm not. I chose from the very beginning 
I've got a really good team around me that we're not going to choose to speculate. I'm not going to sit here and guess when and if I think yeah. we're going to play. Um, I trust the the players and the people that are involved in that decision-making process that mm-hmm. they're not going to put us in a bad spot. And I think I kind of rest easy in the fact that, you know, we're not going to go right back until they feel like it's safe for all parties involved. I, I read a really good article in the uh, LA times today, uh, just about speculation about how people are just desire to have like something to hope for. And a lot of people look to sporting mm-hmm. events as kind of an outlet. And uh, it was a, a good perspective as far as to for people to take everything into account of there's more than the 150 players and caddies in a golf term. There's more than the nine, you know, defensive players and the one batter in baseball. And there's so much more than just what you see like inside the ropes or on the field or on the court, depending on whatever sport you're talking about. And you know, just the, the sense of urgency to get back is, is understandable, but I don't know if it's necessarily realistic. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I'm so curious about when I when I look on social media and I see, you know, Rory and Billy Horse showing what they're doing with pet, their Peloton workouts. Um, I'm curious where where the where the kind of mind goes for players. Whether it's okay, I'm going to prepare that when we restart, I'm going to I want to really I want to be in the fast lane when this restarts, or is it used as recovery? You know, get a little downtime so that you can push hard because it's going to be so condensed towards the back end of the season. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think anyone is sun up to sundown, and uh, I, yeah. I've got a very unique uh, training group here in uh, Tennessee. And when we all got shut down, we have a baseball guy, we have a guy that fights in the UFC, and we have our trainer kind of PT guy that we all work with. And mm-hmm. we all got on a call and decided we were going to be super disciplined with the social distancing and you know kind of putting yeah. in the time that we were able to spend together. And just with this perspective of we'll never have this time again in our careers ever in the midst of so the true. middle of the season to be able to train and push each other. So as disciplined as we were going to have to be to be able to have that time together during this, you know, however long this lasts, we were going to have to be disciplined outside of it as well. And we were talking about it all. Like my UFC guy, he's, he's boxing a little bit, but he's mm-hmm. not in, you know, training jujitsu, training wrestling, you know, 24 seven, yeah. a baseball guy will, he'll throw with us and, you know, maybe hit a few here and there, but the same thing in golf, like go walk nine holes or hit some balls in my house. Mm-hmm. But I don't think when you play the volume of golf that a PGA tour player plays that I just, you have to figure out a way to kind of get away from it to where when the bell goes off again, there's an excitement instead of just the monotony yeah. of, Oh, I got to do this again. And mm. there's so much attention to detail and focus when it comes to playing and preparing for a tour event that it's nice to kind of get away from that. And I think this is mm-hmm. the first time that any player can say that they've taken the time away and they probably haven't put in the thought of, I wonder what someone else is doing to try to get better right now. Cause everyone is <laughs> yeah, in the yeah, exact same yeah. boat. And you're starting to see now a lot of States are shutting down golf courses. And I live in Knoxville, Tennessee mm-hmm. and where for our courses are still open, but Chattanooga, uh, an hour and a half down the road, every, thing is shut down mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. I think you're going to start to see some variables like that and people kind of look back it's like mm-hmm. man I even if I could even if I was given the opportunity or whatever I don't know if I would necessarily go out there and you know kind of back and forth between but enjoy the time of the family I have uh, been training quite a bit 
in the gym and uh, yep. um, actually traded some messages back and forth with Roy the other day about some of the stuff that he's been doing and uh, some of the mm-hmm. stuff that we've been doing and uh, just trying to, you know, everyone kind of knows what they need to do to get better. And um, it's been cool to kind of see the transition that everyone's made because this is a very odd time for all of us to be March, April, May, and be able to kind of put the time off the course, yeah. you know, into bodies. Cause I mean, uh, once we go, everyone has the expectation that once we do get the clear to go, it's going to be hard and heavy for a pretty long time. So mm. build up some resilience, yeah. build up some endurance and, uh, you know, wait it out and uh, enjoy the time with your family as much as you can. Cause when that gun goes off again, uh, you better be ready. Yeah. Scott, since you're, you know, have the time to train a little bit more in the gym, can you go over the health and lifestyle change that, that you've had over the last couple of years? Uh, in what regard? Because there's quite a bit to that. Um, so, in the, in I, I kind of give, I kind of give you the highlights. Yeah, um, yeah. Go go through some of the highlights because I think this, I think this story is, is the most interesting one out there. So. <laughs> well, I mean, just to, I mean, I was a guy that I sort of took for granted what I had off the course. I kind of felt like if I put forth, you know, good effort uh, in my job and my career that I could do what I want when I wanted without much repercussion. Uh, and, you know, that's not like drinking and partying or whatever. It's just, you know, I mean, no concept of diet and nutrition and, you know, any kind of idea of uh, this is it. This is the only body that I get and trying to, you know, figure out a way to, you know, maximize what my potential was. And, you know, slowly but surely I started to see some stuff deteriorate. And probably the biggest I was was, you know, probably 250 plus pounds, no telling what body Mm -hmm. fat percentage. But when it all started to click and come better, I had a major sinus surgery in 2015 and, you know, kind of went through all my stuff, uh, just trying to go down the path of figuring out, what worked best for me and what did honestly it wasn't as much as what worked it was almost what didn't work and you know kind of figuring out the different variables that I could use to you know that would make a difference and a good friend of mine reached out and told me that he'd work with the diet nutritionist guy that was out of uh, Charlotte North Carolina a group called Renaissance Periodization called the guy uh, end of December and January 7th of 2018, I was 232 pounds and 26%. And right after the Boston event, which was the second playoff event, I was 184 and 10 and a half. Wow. Wow. So, but I mean, a lot of that goes into it. Like I made all the changes and then you start to see one change and then it starts to cascade into another and another and another. And I started building Mm -hmm. a pretty good routine as far as, you know, what my days look like, what my, training my practice my recovery and you know kind of how to manage that through you know a really really long season and just understanding everything you're going to come across from travel to hotels to houses to you know where you're going to train where you're going to eat where you're going to sleep you know what are you going to do to just kind of manage all that but it's been a really unique process and uh i could literally talk about it for hours just as far as uh, hopefully that as the more and more interviews and talks that I can do, the better off I'll be to try to help someone not make the same mistakes that I did and, yeah. you know, not wait till you get scary doctor's appointments or, you know, I think mm-hmm. so many people are scared of information and like, Oh, I'd just rather not know. I'd rather know everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you start mm-hmm. to figure out like, even, 
even if a, a blood test comes back as normal or it just, it provides information or almost like, uh, you know, it kind of affirms what you're doing and, you know, you kind of build some checks and balances into, you know, over the course of what you're doing throughout a year and, and throughout your life. And I mean, I, a bunch of my buddies like, man, I haven't been a doctor in 10 years. Like, and I, I have blood work done every three months. Yeah. And yeah, uh, just different things like that. And, and I was the same way. I, I didn't want to know kind of turn a blind eye and uh, mm-hmm. hope for the best. And next thing you know, like, man, I really wish I'd have taken a better idea as far as what this looked like and uh, be able to kind of make the difference and hopefully wouldn't have gone down such a, a rough path for such a long time. Yeah. I think that's the, one of the cool things about that is now that you've learned the process and live the process, you can start to help other people. And I think that's, um, you know, myself, I've gone through a bit of a process like that. And, and now it's my turn to, to give back and teach people the help people, you know, start to live a, a healthier, healthier lifestyle. For sure. It makes a, you know, a, a wild difference to kind of see where you put yourself in the priority and understand that, you know, this is all I get. This is, I'm going to get one shot at this and I might as well see, uh, you know, what I'm truly capable of. I did a podcast yesterday. It was more like a necessarily on a golf side, but more just like a health and wellness. And I, I did it at my gym and I kind of took them around like why I have certain things on the wall. And I'm, I'm not a great runner. Uh, I, I enjoy running. It's just not necessarily something I'm the best at. I prefer to do other things in terms of cardio. And I put this Socrates quote right in front of the treadmill and basically the gist of it, it's fairly long, but what a shame to live your life without truly seeing what your uh, body is capable of. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sitting there sucking wind and, you know, trying to churn mm-hmm. out some miles of this and that look at it, And Socrates is just like slapping me in the face. It's like, all right, man, you say you're going to do this. You say you're going to push yourself. You say you're going to do this. You say you're going to do that. Like, let's see what you got. And I'm just in the gym by myself, like just cussing Socrates and you know, that, that quote's there for a reason. And I think, you know, the more opportunities I have to do stuff like that, it will go a long way as well. That's cool. I'm I'm curious, Scott, um, given such kind of like a a massive improvement in your diet and your, your fitness, what specifically would you say that's done for your golf game? I mean, obviously it's a massive change to your lifestyle. I'm sure it's, you know, helps you in pretty much every aspect of life, but I think a lot of people are curious what happens on the golf course with kind of all these improvements you've made to your kind of your situation? Uh, I mean, I get that, that asked a lot. I'm able to do a lot more with a lot less. I'm able to handle the volume mm-hmm. of just, you think of volume as just a, a encompassing factor, of everything mm-hmm. you take into account with what professional golf brings and travel, training, recovery, and just the amount of swings that we make throughout a week. And, yeah. I mean, there'd be days where I'd be so tired, like the the practice just was just not going to happen. And, mm-hmm. you know, able to put the time and effort in that it takes to complete, compete with the best players in the world and to go out there day in, day out, you know, refreshed and recovered to, to take on whatever it is that, I mean, that I'd have to deal with that day and build up significant resiliency. Uh, my body manages the stress significantly better and, uh, you asked my PT and, uh, Adam Curley, we were just training just a little while ago, right before we came on and we're just talking about, there's so much effort to try to get me to Thursday. And now it's almost like, man, what do, what do we need to do just to kind of 
you know, make sure everything's moving the way it's supposed to instead of like, man, are we just mm-hmm. going to have to hope for the best in certain areas, whether it's my hip or my back or, you know, whatever I was dealing with. And now it's like, man, we're pretty good. Just kind of keep the, keep things going in the right progression and take it from there. But uh, from like a biomechanic standpoint, there's been a little bit of, uh, I was talking to my teacher, Scott Hamilton last night. Uh, there's been some patterning stuff that has definitely changed. We started uh, exchanging some videos uh, early in my career when I was definitely significantly bigger. My turn wasn't very good, but honestly, it was just from a physicality standpoint, I couldn't. <laughs> and mm, yeah, now my mobility is significantly <clears throat> better. So training some of those patterns now to try to make some changes, especially the way that the club delivers. We've got a lot of forward shaft lean and uh, like, when it sees those like stinger videos, like, like just yeah, yeah. The, the way the ball comes off. I mean, that's, that's not overly difficult for me to hit at that low. But yeah. A lot of it has to do with the way that my right arm, I crease right arm bend as the way coming down. Mm-hmm. And essentially I'm trying yep. to that out now. And a lot of it has to do with some old habits and the way that my hip turns now compared to that it did do in the past. And so uh, good and bad, I guess. Um, and just trying to manage, uh, some of the habits that basically I just dealt with my whole entire career. And now you're dealing with a completely different body and, you know, almost 60 pounds less and, uh, significantly mm-hmm. more fit, uh, more mobile. And so kind of, uh, battling both of those, uh, from a, a strength and mobility standpoint, ability to kind of make it get away from some of those habits and show, uh, my golf swing, some stuff that it hasn't really been capable of in the past. Right. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very interesting. I mean, changes, changes good and, and great, but it's new patterns to learn and, and understanding your tendencies with those new patterns and the variation in, in shots and things like that. So uh, that's what have you seen? Have you seen anything from, you know, from a, a, a distance standpoint, from a range of motion standpoint, have you seen anything, you know, that, that's picked up from that Scott? Yeah, I mean, like my hip hip mobility is like it's not even close. I don't even know if I had hip mobility. Before. <laughs> 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 so, like, we posted a video on Twitter the other day of this like ninety ninety like med ball rotation of some my buddies yep. in Phoenix that I was working with, and I mean, it is funny just the fact of how I can get in those positions compared to before it was just, mm-hmm. I mean, if I got in it, I sure as heck wasn't coming out of it and yeah, yeah. trying to manage it from there. But it was interesting. Uh, my coach got, we do a bunch of stuff on gears, especially like when you're playing mm-hmm. good. So you kind of know what you're looking at. And we were down there after LA and he had an old gears session from when I first started working with him a few years ago. And I was, I mean, you know, 240, 250 pounds. And just to see some of the differences of how I deliver and like the ground force, uh, that I can produce at, I can produce more ground force now at significantly less body weight than I did when Mm -hmm. I was heavier. So just the volatility of actually shooting out Mm -hmm. of the ground and, you know, Mm -hmm. trying to rotate around that, you know, it's like my, my lower, I have lost the weight, but my lower body and everything has got significantly stronger. So just being able to kind of manage that and kind of seeing some of the mm-hmm. mechanical advantages that I can create, um, you know, ball speed's gone up, range of motion's gone, but, but just like we talked about some of the pattern stuff just a minute ago, 
like the ability to disassociate yeah. when you can't move, there's no disassociation at all. It just kind of like uh, everything kind of hoes and kind of hopes for the best. And now the ability to kind of separate my hips from my shoulders is something that's actually possible. <laughs> I'm trying yeah. to manage all that stuff. And, uh, which has been very interesting. And this is a great time to be able to do it too. Cause I struggled the first round of the, the players and we go and we were practicing Thursday afternoon before we got shut down Thursday night. And I literally like had one of the best like hitting sessions I've had in a long time. So, I mean, obviously that was the right call to do to shut down, but it was mm-hmm. kind of like, it all started kind of clicking where you, know, you kind of see the, the hips go and, and the club kind of match up uh, with it you know, right at impact where before it was kind of sliding out of the way and had a, a ton of right bend, uh, like I said, increased uh, right arm bend, you know, through the hit and, you know, had to figure out a way to get rid of it and kind of manage all that stuff. But all that to be said, the potential is there, but kind of managing some of the patterning stuff is something that's uh, we needed some time to do and one more time like the present. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I think, yeah, I think, if people don't know your your story, it's a pretty inspirational one uh, to to really kind of take your whole life and and sort of take an external look at it and go, okay, this has to change. You know, I have to change my, my routines and habits, and uh, if if I'm going to li- like you say, live in the best vehicle that you possibly can and and play the the game to the best of your ability. Um, I'd love to ask, uh, how much of a gear junkie are you? Are you are you into your equipment? Has that been something that you've been uh, influential in? Uh, a little bit. Uh, Scott, my instructor, is a little bit more of a uh, – he works with a bunch of uh, – equipment companies are great, and we do a bunch of testing at his yep. place in Cartersville. And um, honestly, I, I'm a pretty slow changer in most regards. Um, mm-hmm. I use, like, the same set of irons for six years. Uh, I, I had to change the heads, but uh, the same shafts, the same yeah. everything. and. Uh, just recently, you know, transferred over to the T100s uh, as soon as they came out. Yeah. But it was just, it was funny. Like I knew the progression as far as what was happening. But you know, I, I tweak things uh, based on what mm-hmm. I like. Um, but overall, like, uh, like I'm not in the fitness trailer, like searching for magic. I kind of find something that I like. You ask Aaron Dill, uh, the wedge guy. Uh, there's three guys that are still using basically like prehistoric wedges <laughs> and myself and Brooks Kepka and Aaron Badley all use this model that they basically discontinued and it's the old TVD, um, which is, I legitimately have one in my bag right now. It says 2012 on it. <laughs> and, but I think with anything, like I'm going to be the guy that I will always blame myself before I blame my equipment. But there's some different yeah. things, some mm-hmm. tweaks. Uh, made some interesting tweaks right before the fall. My short game coach, Jeff Pierce, had me up to Old Stone and Bowling Green where he teaches and started talking about just different things in my wedge game and some ways to make improvements. And he was kind of going through some statistic stuff and uh, just asking questions as far as how I play certain shots. And he said, well, my, my calculation, you're a – you know, you're a 90-10 lob wedge to everything else pitcher. And he said, the way that I think you would be a more optimized around the greens, he said, you would be more of a 50-50 between your sand wedge and your, and your lob wedge. And I said, well, how do I do that? He said, well, just mm-hmm. – he went into his bay and uh, 
came back out. He's like, all right, we're going to learn how to use these. And he changed the loft, changed the lie just a little bit. And through right before the players, I had more hole outs from off the green than anyone on tour. I didn't change anything. I just made it to where my default was sand wedge. And then if I needed to, I could go to a lob wedge. And the most hole outs I'd ever had in one season was four ever. That was the year before I had four hole outs from off the green and uh, through 10 events, I'd had 17. Jeez. it was just crazy. crazy the transition of man, like oh, what'd you do? What oh, well, I practice. Well, yeah, I mean everyone's going to practice, but I think yeah. I just learned my tendency to where if I deliver the strike more consistently and have a club that can kind of you know be a little bit more versatile, and if I need to go up, I can use that lob wedge to be able to go into it. It was crazy to see the difference of. Yeah. Just in um, a matter of weeks, like I started seeing my proximity, my scrambling, my scrambling mm-hmm. through the players was the highest it's ever been in my career. And just like little things like that, I'd say that I would tweak, if I was a junkie in anything, I would tweak little things like that. Lofts, lies, some weight here and there, but not necessarily yeah. going and beating the equipment trailer guys to death. Um, I've had an interesting change of late. Uh, with some of the changes that I've made in my body, uh, I've used a short driver my, almost my whole career and I've transitioned into trying to get into a little bit longer, a 45-inch uh, full-length driver. And uh, it's been a unique <laughs> when you've used a basically a 44 finished for 10-plus years and then you train it. It's like feeling like a long drive. But the time off yeah. has been nice to be able to fully dial that in. Scott and the guys at Titleist have been great to work with. And um so that's uh, about as much uh, equipment as I kind of dabble in. Aaron, the <laughs> wedge guy at Vokey, has been great as far as trying to transition the ancient guys into some of the more current line. And <laughs> yeah. I actually uh, chipped around with mine yesterday, and that would be a pretty easy transition to, to be into, especially, I mean, he's the best in the business as far as giving you something that yeah, you can go play work, day in, yeah. day out with. So. If y'all have never had him on yeah. here, man, he'd be fascinating to talk to. We, we I have talked to him yeah. all day. He, we have. Yeah, he yeah. was actually our third um he was our third guest on the podcast. Um yeah. he's he's been awesome. Um I first I think I first met Dylan in two thousand and eight. I was I was working actually out um helping the Titleist guys at the, the Hope. And uh, Aaron had just started with Bob on the trailer. And uh, got to know him. He was he was super young, and, and as, as was I. And uh, we got to know each other well. And he's yeah. he's been always really kind to give us all lots of time. Well, we just saw him at the PGA yeah. show. Um, so uh, Bob and Aaron did a video with us, Scott, uh, which was great of them to do to begin yeah. with. And yeah. uh, just kind of like it kind of took us through like a mock fitting for myself. Obviously, I'm I'm a nobody when it comes to playing golf. But the way that those two, Aaron especially, kind of give yeah. you their attention and treat you like a tour player, it's not. Yeah. It's not just a story. They they really are they like care. that. Yeah. Uh, he really was 100% invested in, in my wedge game. And, and I think it's a pretty rare trait of somebody to be able to behave that way for someone that works yeah. with someone like yourself yeah. also that's a, a top-tier player. She's someone who would not really tell you, but, I mean, he's definitely the heir apparent, um, you know, to oh, take yeah. over mm-hmm. whenever. And, you know, he's sure. always yeah. there to lend an ear and, you know, ask questions. And I pre-wear all my leading edges on my clubs. Um Got a great okay. guy that I work with uh, in Scottsdale, Arizona. When I lived out there, Aaron Valdez, and I mean him yeah, and his yeah. team out there, kind of dialed. And those guys were unbelievable, man. 
Aaron has basically yeah. built every club that I've played for the last six years. And I think there's that has nothing to do with the Titleist guys. I just think when you have one person doing it, you just have yeah. less vulnerability and you know it's coming out of the same hands and, and this. But Valdez and Dill and all the team and Titleist has kind of come together to kind of – and honestly, that's why I really haven't changed. I haven't had a, a major need and – and whatever, and if, if mm-hmm. I was going to make a change, they would be some of the guys that I would call first. Hey, is there something lacking? Is yeah. there something new to get better? Or just my default is like I'm the person that needs to get better and you know spend yeah. the time in certain yeah. areas. And so that's kind of where that's I would take good, the isn't it? Yeah, that's great advice. I think when when you talk about you know working with someone like Aaron and and you know I've worked with Aaron as well and knowing his capabilities from a grind perspective for somebody who leans the shaft and has historically leaned the shaft that that little pre-worn leading edge is is very very important for your turf interaction isn't it to get that club in and out the turf really efficiently yeah I'll, I'll tell you guys something and y'all are maybe more, way more gear junkies but I I witnessed this and I did it myself so I didn't and the only reason why is because it just happened. So uh, Aaron Valdez builds all my clubs. Uh, Tyler's guys, you know, if anything we need, they'll take care of it in a heartbeat. But it's just kind of the – I like having one person, and yeah. that was my guy. And it has literally nothing to do with Tyler's or anything. It just has to do with – I know it's one phone call. I know it came out of one person's hands. It's just, you know, less – less, yeah. you know, opportunity to just have something get awry. And uh, Aaron built my first set of irons when I won at Torrey. Uh, pre-war the leading edge, and it was the 716s, offset, you know, just everything I possibly could just to just smash the ball. And then you have a ton of four shaft lane, just compress the heck out of it and kind of deal with everything yeah. that would happen. And so I, I transfer into the uh, T100s. I don't have near the – the offset so we we kind of shallowed out the the grind on the leading edge a little bit well i i asked to have a backup set made and aaron had my original clubs that i wasn't using anymore i mean the when i finally got rid of my original set of 716s i was spinning an eight iron off of a fairway like five thousand at like a hundred feet (laughs) i mean it's just like a knuckleball (laughs) Yeah, just yeah. no grooves uh kind of worn the, yeah. the set out a little bit but he had had that original set the way it was ground and he's like man for this set i i don't understand why the grind is so shallow on your t100 i think you should have the same grind it's like well go ahead man like you know it's worth the mm-hmm. shot i'm happy with the irons i have and just by uh, changing the angle of the grind and making it a little bit deeper and just a little bit steeper in the front it changed the angle of attack and my turf interaction by two degrees yeah, and wow. the same, same weight, same head, same everything. Just the grind was a little bit different and it was wild. Like I was convinced something was wrong with the club. <laughs> you know, you're talking mm-hmm. about an eight iron of, you know, seven or eight down, which is pretty typical for me to like five or six, which is what I'm trying to get to. And, you know, my coach Scott, uh, Hamilton down there is like, what are you doing different? It's like, I'm not doing anything different. <laughs> like I'm trying to literally swing club to club and make sure. So we thought the Y was off the club, everything. And when we matched it up, it was like the same, the same guy hmm. built them. And uh, I was like, the only thing I did different was I, I changed the pitch and made it just slightly deeper. And 
but that's what you like little tweaks in there. We play a game of such a small margin, you know, anything like yeah. that that's going to allow the ball to come out a little bit higher, <clears throat> a little bit more spin, more just consistent turf interaction. And I mean, those, those are the things that kind of make the difference, especially as the knife's edge that we play on on tour. Yeah. Scott, do you do you well, tinker with some... with the putter a lot, or do you uh, do you kind of stay steady with a blade for you know eight years or ten years, and you just kind of work on it? Or I don't know. I, putting is definitely something I've been kind of ebbs and flows in my career. I've had the the thing where I need to lock down and I need to be super tight over it, and you know everything. My setup and everything has been significantly better and kind of messed around with a few different teachers and, and kind of learned a lot from each and every decision I made and worked with Marcus Potter for a little bit. Uh, I got a uh, – Jeff Pierce is my short game putting instructor and it's just kind of like, hey, you know, see what other people think. And I reached out to Phil Kenyon, uh, an awesome, awesome guy. And I'd never really spent much time with him. But I just called and said, hey, would you take a look for a little bit and just kind of let me know what you think? He kind of gave a synopsis as far as what he uh, what he thinks, and his. If y'all have ever talked to him, he's an incredibly dry sense of humor. And uh, he said, "Mate, uh, this is not a, a arrow problem." <laughs> I was like, uh, "I have no idea what that means." <laughs> and he said, "I just want you to find something you like looking at." He said, "Once you once you fix the Indian, we can worry about the arrow." <laughs> he said, "But basically, this is a you thing. This isn't a that thing." And so many people think like putter fitting and this and that, you know, it's, it's the a shortest club in the bag with the least amount of loft. So it's a flat face. So there's so many different things that you would do to manipulate that. And uh, he said, I want you to find the, the thing that you like looking best at and which is a, a blade like Newport style. And uh, mm-hmm. so I go and get it and work on it. Jeff and I start working on some things and Honda I have the best strokes game putting of my professional career. So, and then now it's like, we don't play. <laughs> so it started kind of getting the ball rolling yeah, a little bit yeah. and seeing it go in. And uh, so, but that's something that, uh, that's probably the only thing that I collect. Uh, I give clubs away, wedges, drivers, everything that I don't use, but I've got a fairly mm-hmm. decent camera collection. That's cool. What's and your I'm golf sure ball choice? Love, would, what do you play? I would love to see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably would. Sure. Next time. I what play you, yeah, what, what, obviously, I somebody who... Yeah, go for it. I play the 2019 Pro V1X. Nothing special. Okay. Just the Probably just right. the regular right. ball. Cool. Is yeah. that what you played for? You played the X for most of your career with Titleist, Scott, or have you switched I played back the, and forth? I played the X for a really long time. I messed around with the Star a little bit when I was kind of transitioning with mm-hmm. the driver for a little bit, but I went back uh-huh. as my club head speed went up and everything uh, started getting the accurate the spin I needed to, and a lot of that was changing just the way I delivered the club in just because I was in better shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. What about shafts and things like that? What do you, uh, what do you kind of tinker with anything with shafts or do you find a shaft you like the feeling and timing of and just stick with that? Well, living in Scottsdale for half the year for six years is where KBS is out of. And I kind of helped, yep. uh, did a bunch of prototype testing with them with the S taper and like right, I was okay. one of the first guys to put it in uh I used KBS tour until that kind of got approved and everything and as soon as the S taper mm-hmm. was allowed to get put in there I've used it ever since and but the same thing goes like you find something that works if you you know kind of commit to certain companies and and work you have consistency you kind of know what to rely upon and 
and not to say that there's anything wrong with any of the other companies, just kind of like, man, that's, I know what I'm doing when I do that. And I know that it's not the equipment. I know that it's me. And I think that the more you can eliminate variables from an equipment standpoint, like if you go just take the array of equipment that's available, it can be pretty daunting. Cause I mean, essentially you could go in any trailer, any shaft company, you know, any wedge company, any ball company and put a combination that's good, but just, you know, find the commitment to like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to dial this in based on these certain set of parameters and kind of take it from there. Yeah. I think being in that Scottsdale, um, area where you've got access to Kim personally and obviously you know you can work with him and TK and those guys and they can give you options and build up different sets and work with Aaron and that's a real team around you uh, which which is phenomenal yeah I mean basically every club that I get uh, unless it comes off the truck itself but if you know if heads or whatever like I just I, I like to have it come off the same machine I like to know that like just the a person that I trust a lot and has put a bunch of time into knowing yeah. I mean, probably knows more about my clubs than I do. <laughs> and <laughs> right. uh, a lot of it's just the, the, the weight sorting, the frequency matching and everything know that the club's mm-hmm. going to deliver every single way, you know, all throughout the bag. And I mean, just like I said, the margin of error we have out here is not very high. So the tighter you can make yeah, it, the better you're going to be. Love it. So 10 years in the PGA Tour, um, what, what is the PGA Tour like now versus it was when you first got on there? What, what, what differences do you see? Is the talent depth as, as deep as they say now and, and things like that? Yeah, everybody can win now. And I don't think the fear is yeah. there. Uh, when I first got on tour, you know, if Tiger was there, it was something that everyone thought about. Everyone knew that if he, if he right. brought it. Uh, no one really had a chance and I don't think that that's the case anymore. Um, mm-hmm. It was not that people don't appreciate the stuff the Tigers doing because I mean, nobody would be where they are in the world of golf without him. So, yeah. and anyone tells you that different is lying, uh, right. especially someone that does it at the highest level. But I think that as the, as I've gotten older, you started to see the perspective of the, the fear is not there and the preparation is so much better of just the expectation. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go out here and I'm going to do my thing. And kid, especially the younger age, they own their game so much better. They know what they do. They know what they don't do. And they're not going to really let someone like, I mean, uh, Joaquin, like there's, I don't think you would necessarily Mm -hmm. tell someone to go out there and swing the way that he does, but he doesn't care. Yeah. And nor should he care. And he knows what he does. He knows what he does really, really well. And, uh, you know, he's had a great start to his career, and he'll be great for a long time. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, you could go up and down all the young guys, but it's crazy the transition as I get older. I mean, I'm 35 now, but uh, I look at it from the perspective I'm – I feel like I'm just started just because the way that the physical stuff has changed. But from, like, Mm -hmm. a – experience standpoint I feel like a bunch of the younger guys start asking me questions like man when did I get into this role (laughs) and like some of the questions I'm answering like uh this is like I woke up one day and next thing you know I'm like uh talking to people about you know having kids and managing life on the rest what in the world's going on here (laughs) (laughs) how did you become that guy yeah Yeah, I have no idea well I mean you, you the depth, uh, the depth right now. You look at, you know, Victor Hovland, Matt Wolf, 
Colin Morikawa. I mean, those guys were ready to win. Oh, yeah. Right away. Right away. Yep. Straight yeah. off out the college. Yeah. Uh, Colin's the only one I've played with. And, I mean, super talented, obviously. And But, I mean, up and down the range, I, I don't think the – you know, you'll see guys do everything, something every now and then that kind of stands out. But, like, you go up to the range, you're like, that guy's good, that guy's good. Mm-hmm. We're all good, <laughs> or we wouldn't be there. Yeah. And I, I think yeah. that when you kind of look at it from that perspective, you'll have your anomalies every now and then that kind of stand out. But uh, I think that it's a little bit easier to put your head down and focus. I go out there and do what I need to do. I can compete with the best players in the world. and you know, the more kind of blinders on and focus what you need to do, uh, the easier it is to do that now, especially because the depth is so deep, you know, across yeah. all tournaments, across all fields, you know, mm-hmm. for the most part, you're teeing it up, man. You're, and you do your thing. You're going to have a chance come Sunday. Right. Where is uh, Where's the best stop on tour? Where's the, the one you look forward to every single year? You can't wait to get back to that venue. Muirfield, uh, there in oh, really? uh, Jack's oh. place in Columbus. Hmm. I told, uh, I did another a golf fight and they were like, tell us a story about on tour that not many people know. And my rookie year, my, my mentor, kind of the guy that took me under his wing was Kenny Perry. And I played all my practice rounds and I basically followed him around like a lost dog my rookie year. And <laughs> I was using these chalk lines to practice and uh, we were getting ready to go play a practice run on Monday and he comes up. He's like, is that your chalk line? I was like, yeah. Uh, he's like, man, I forgot to tell you, Jack can't stand him. Like, and I started freaking out. Oh, no. <laughs> and I go uh, run and I, I tell people I had more equipment, more sanitary, more cleaning supplies than you would ever need in your entire life. Uh, to get up this chalk line and I come back down and Jack's standing there with Kenny and I was just, Oh, oh no, they got me. <laughs> oh, just God. Like that. It's yeah. just with you. oh, no, oh, absolutely. That's mean. I was like, and Kenny's still to this day, like I actually played with him, uh, his last yeah. memorial, uh, and he played the tournament, and still we go right by that putting green. Like I could tell you exactly where I was when I came down from the clock room and everything. It's like, but just different things like that where you know, yeah, anything so that he puts his name on, he's in there a hundred percent. And uh, you know, great golf course that fits my eye very well. Had a chance to win there a couple times and uh, played well there, and uh, a great experience and, uh, a very, very, but I mean, now the way that the tour is, I mean, every event's good. It's just the ones that you right, prefer yeah. the golf course is better than the other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Well, this has been great. Yeah, this is awesome. Really is appreciate awesome. you, uh, you giving us, you know, this much of your time, Scott. I mean, it's, uh, I know that the, the, the time right now is not ideal for for anyone, but we're yeah. hugely thankful to have the opportunity to do things like this, uh, with people like yourself, and uh, it means an awful lot to to spend the time. Absolutely, we'll be rooting for you when we uh, when we get back out of there. Hundred percent. Yeah, man, I, I appreciate you guys. I like what you guys are doing, and uh, keep putting out the good content. So I hope we'll see you guys back Thanks, on tour here soon. Awesome. Thanks, All right. Scott. Awesome. All right, pal. Take care. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Thank Scott. You.